0: my humble abode, which is my office. Um, It's not huge. It's not small. It's in uh, pretty much a closet, a big enough closet. But here I am ready to come back at it. Um, This will be our last conversation, our last get together for this year. Um, It's already December 19th. I've made it clear a couple weeks ago that we weren't going to have Service or any kind of conversation put up um, on the 26th, which is um, next Sunday, which is the last Sunday of December. So we're just, I'm kind of punting it and wanting that last Sunday to just kind of just take the Sunday off and um, let people who normally listen just be with family and friends. We'll probably, if you go to the Sacred Collective podcast feed, where This comes out of, um, or where this is, I should say, put up on that podcast, which is the podcast that I do as well. Um, We'll probably have some of these backlogged conversations um, from DBA on there till the end of the year. But as far as new, new, new content, um, we're not going to have any new stuff, any groundbreaking things. I know that there is a... Uh, episode that we recorded me and Caleb with um, someone um, and we're trying to get through some logistics with that for the sacred collective podcast there's just some audio um, issues with some of the feed or with some of the recorded stuff some corrupted files so Caleb's diligently working hard to you know get that to make it sound good I have been working on some um, conversations with some people um, that we're gonna happen for um, in the new year it's just with everyone's schedule with the you know new variant of covid people that we were going to interview live here in the cities are now a little bit apprehensive which I get so everything's kind of up in the air with things but we will be having some new sacred collective episodes um, coming here in the new year I know there's a lot of um, Um, layover between DBA and Sacred Collective, so I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, so this is it. Buckle up. This is our last talk for 2021 and let's hope 2022 is a whole hell of a lot better than 2021 and and 2020. Uh, It's kind of been uh, weird, surreal last two years, something that I know I never thought that I would live through. I know Amanda never thought she would live through that or, and even having a little child who thinks that it's poor girl, probably thinks it's normal that you have to mask up everywhere you go, um, which is not, but anyway, here's to 2022, hopefully being better, not just for our family, but for your family and for your loved ones and just for the whole world that um, we can eradicate this terrible virus and, and, we can all get back to whatever normal is. Um, this talk that I'm going to give today was inspired by my better half, um, my partner in crime in this life, Amanda. As I've said numerous times, sometimes when you're coming up with talks every week and, you know, they're 45 minutes an hour long, I'm sometimes you just, not. it's not burnout, but sometimes you just hit like this fog in your head where you're like, well, do I want to talk about this? Do I not? what should I do, you know, all these things. And so I had asked Amanda yesterday yesterday morning, like, hey, I wonder what I should talk about. And so she kind of, you know, was inspired this. And then when she said, oh, maybe you should talk about this, then kind of like the floodgates opened in my head of what I really wanted to discuss and, and talk about. Um, so thank you to Amanda for opening those... Um, parts of my brain that were kind of foggy. I know I said before and even last week I said I'm not gonna talk about Advent. I lied. Ha ha shameless shamelessness, I know. I'm not gonna talk about it too much, but it's um it would behoove me, um, in this holiday season to kind of at least talk about it a little bit. Um, you know, I know pastors or speakers will say they're not gonna talk on something and then they kinda just Turn the other way um, on doing that. So that's what I'm gonna do. So if people who know who are part of church or not, we're in this holiday season in the church season we call Advent, which Advent is the first four Sundays um, before, like leading up to Christmas, um, and they each have you know significant meanings. Um, you know, most churches you'll have like the four candles or if they're not candles, there's something else. And today's the fourth one. So you usually have like a wreath in essence, and you put candles in it. And then the main one that you light is on Christmas Eve or some churches even have Christmas day services and they light it there. So Advent is just, no, it's, it's the Looking forward to, you know, Christ's birth, it's not much different than a lot of what we do in church when we talk about um, Easter and all the things that lead up to Easter. There's certain Sundays and whatnot. I'm going to get some water. Looking at Easter and, you know, we have Good Friday and Holy Saturday. But this is a lot what Advent is. And obviously we know Advent is signaling and signifying Christ's birth. And, and uh, you know, there's probably pretty much not a person in the world um, that has, you know, not heard about Jesus or heard about the birth, whether a person believes in them or not. And I know there are probably a lot of people that I haven't heard, but, you know, probably majority of the people, whether they believe in Christianity or not, know the significance of Christmas. They know the significance of the birth. Um And to be brutally honest, I have a love-hate relationship with the whole idea of Advent. And I think it more stems from the years that I was in um, ministry training and ministry prep Um, as a member of a church or as someone who doesn't go, um, who's not in, you know, like a ministry kind of track. You know, it's probably very lovely for people. It's probably, you know, very meaningful where... You know, you see all the Christmas trees and wreaths and ornaments in your church and, you know, that whole advent thing. Um, I love it, or I hate it because of the tradition. I hate it just because we do it and you always have to do it. And it's a lot of times the same boring sermons over and over and over about Jesus and about, you know, the wise men and about all this stuff. Um, Partly is because when I was doing ministry stuff, people don't realize... The weeks, if not months, of preparation um, churches put into coming up with these services, and pastors are—they don't. When it's getting to this time of the year, especially in Advent, they get burnt out. They get um, exhausted. Um, and I can say that when I interned at a at a church over, you know, when I was doing my ordination stuff, I mean, it was we were planning these things back in September early October and by the end you're just exhausted. So that's why I don't hate advent, but it's just like, hmm, okay, whatever, blah blah blah. But one of the reasons I love advent as well is it's the birth of Jesus. And the name of this talk is called the birth of a the birth of a revolutionary. And this talk is going to be more of my reflection, my opinion of why I think Jesus is so amazing, and the teachings of Jesus is um, really amazing. So, uh, shameless warning that I'm going to let everyone know. This talk is going to be heavily um, talk about Jesus, talk about, um, you know, the ministry and teachings of Jesus. Uh, I know in weeks past, I've kind of been more on a, open-minded, you know, not talking about Jesus or talking stuff out of the Bible, and that's fine, and that's what we can do at Doubters Believers Alliances. we're not, um, kind of enslaved to just talking about strictly stuff in the Bible or strictly religious or Christian things, but, um, I wanted to have this talk be more grounded in kind of what's happening in the season around us, that the season, um, we're in because I know I would look back probably sometime in January and February and say oh I really wish I talked about this now I gotta wait till next year to do it so that is one of the reasons I love Advent is just the, the the birth of a revolutionary and I really really honestly hold to Jesus as a revolutionary and I'm I'm I mean, if Amanda's watching, maybe she can find a, a dictionary definition or something of a revolutionary to kind of put that in someone's head. But I look at Jesus as a revolutionary, strictly speaking, as why I think Jesus was a revolutionary is Jesus took on the powers of Jesus's day. Uh, Jesus took on the, on the religious people of his day um, and took on the political powers of the people of Jesus's day and Jesus paid the ultimate price for it and I'm so moved by and I, I should backtrack I've had numerous conversations with people over the years in seminary most people that I've had conversations with Jesus with recently are you know deconstructing Christians people who've walked away from the faith, humanists, atheists, you know, or just non-religious people. And when we have this conversation back and forth, you know, people are like, oh, it's cool that you're a Christian and, like, you swear and, and, you know, it's fine that we're out drinking a couple beers or, you know, I'm I'm like, I'll smoke a cigar or a pipe every now and then, Um, which why that stuff is Christian or not Christian is beyond me. But anyway, I have this conversation connection with people i should say and one of the things that we all we usually talk about is is jesus and i tell people all the time i have a fundamental problem with the institution of the church uh how we've made it more in our image more than in the image of christ more in the image of uh, our interpretations and what we think is truth is remember what I said last week about, you know, Nietzsche's definition um, of truth is, you know, there's many there's no ultimate truth, just interpretations of truth. And I really abide by that. But when I look at just the, the birth of Jesus that we celebrate this holiday season, the way my brain goes and the way my heart goes is. This was the birth of probably the most revolutionary human being in all of humanity. And I was talking to my good buddy. um, Yesterday we were going out. We went to a bar to celebrate um, his father's birthday, who his father passed away a couple years ago. And it was just kind of a time to go hang out uh, and just chat with him. And we had this really good conversation conversation. You know, because I was saying what I was going to talk about. And he even said, he's like, Yeah, I really think that Jesus is a real person. And, you know, Jesus lived and, you know, Jesus was a badass teacher and, and, and prophet or speaker. And I kind of smiled and I was like, Yeah, exactly. And even so many religious people in the world, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, a lot of people will hold these teachings of Jesus uh, in high regard. And to me, I'm trying to, like, my truth that I'm finding about Jesus, my, my interpretation of what I think truth is within the context of Jesus is what we look at all throughout Scripture, what we see Jesus teaching all through Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. When we look at Jesus's, you know, we have to realize if we remember We have all these stories about Jesus from when Jesus was a baby to when Jesus was a young man. Um, And then it goes silent from about 12 or 13 years of Jesus's life until when Jesus was, you know, baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And which signified the, you know, kicking off of Jesus's ministry. So a lot of these teachings and the stories we hear about Jesus are, uh, are only about three years of Jesus's life. And I'm just so enamored with, and and people have told me all the time, like, oh, Brian, you know, you'll say things about the, the Bible and about church and how you, you know, you might not like this scripture, you might not like this version, or you think people interpret it wrong. Yeah, that's, I'm a human being. I have my flaws. I have my weaknesses. I can be wrong on things, but I've always been under the understanding that the the Bible isn't a rule book of yes and no's. You you know, yes, if you do this, you're a Christian. No, if you do this, then you're not a Christian, whatever. And I think we've used, I'm saying we as the church, has used it more of a weapon and used it more as a... Propaganda, You know, beating people over the head with, oh, if you do these things, then you're not going to be part of the kingdom of God. You do these things, you are going to be part of the kingdom of God. And I really think that's done a disservice to to what Jesus wants church to be. What he wants, this kingdom of God that Jesus talked about all throughout, you know, the teachings, his teachings when he lived in life. And I was so excited when I was writing my notes down for this conversation. Like, it was just kind of pouring out of me like a sieve. And, But I'm going to kind of take a a non-traditional view. Surprise, surprise, Brian, taking a non-traditional view from most of what churches are talking about today. You know, I'm recording this at 11 o'clock, you know, a.m. Central Time here in the cities. But, you know churches that have you know overseas or church you know church services that are behind me. You know, they're all probably saying the same thing about Jesus, about the upcoming birth and, you know, all these things, which is fine, which is great. I'm not I'm not saying that that's the whole tradition part of the church that I don't really care for, that I'm not really a big fan of, but here here we go, me saying my two cents on my little sliver of the internet. So when I look at the the narrative of the birth of Jesus, and they're in the Gospels, you know, pick your pick your choice of what Gospel you want to read the the narrative uh, of Jesus and Jesus' birth. It's, whether you think it's truthful or not, it's still a fun story. It's a cool story. I know. I grew up every we celebrate Christmas actually on Christmas Eve. We always have in my family. And I always remember us reading, usually out of the book of Luke, uh, the story of, of Jesus' birth. And I can't tell you, how, I mean, I'm 38. I've probably heard it 38 straight years of, or will it be 38, you know, this week. And I'm fine with that. But so often, I one of my issues with the church is I think we we accentuate things about Jesus when we want to, and then we, um, not belittle, but we kind of put Jesus as this, I don't know, smug or, uh, just meek and mild ind- individual. Um, there is that, when I just said that there's this, you know, song where <clears throat> it's talking about Jesus as a baby and it's like, you know, I think away in the manger and it's like so meek and mild. Yes, as a child, Jesus was meek and mild, but when you really look when Jesus grows up and when Jesus is doing his ministry, Jesus was far from meek and Jesus was far from mild in a lot of ways. And the first point I want to bring up, and I've said it before in conversations and I'll say it again, and I think I said this back when I was talking about Easter. So, you know, kind of all encompasses together. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was killed. Not because of humans and humans' sin, which is so often how it's taught to people in church. Jesus was not murdered because we as human beings are so horrible and evil and rotten to the core that Jesus just had to look at us and say, "You know what? I got to be killed so you guys understand." I do believe Jesus was killed, don't get me wrong. And but growing up in the evangelical parts of my life and journey, I cannot tell you how many times in Christmas services it was that's what the pastor was saying. I was like, "You know, Jesus was killed, you know, or not Christmas, I'm sorry, Easter time." when people were like, this is why Jesus was killed and it was because of our sins and you know, God wanted to save us from eternity and hell and all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. But then when I went through Bible college and then I went to seminary and got my degrees, what really came to light from me and when I was starting to open my mind of just different you know, ideas and um, interpretations of stuff, and I found out and I realized it wasn't us as human beings, as as you know, Christians who have, will look at, will look back at this whole point of the crucifixion. Jesus was killed straight up because Jesus pissed off the the elites of Jesus's day. Um, now you have you have people going around since the time of Jesus saying, um, "I'm God." Or, you know, you have people in other religions that will be like, oh, I think, you know, I, I, I'm i the son of God. And usually within weeks or months, people are like, oh, yeah, this guy's schizo. This this woman is out of her mind thinking that she's God. I mean, just look it up. Just go on a deep dive on Google or, or whatever. People who have thought that they were God or God's prophet. And, you know, it's only their way and their teachings that will lead them to heaven, blah, blah, blah. But. What Romans, like the the Romans who were occupying Israel, they literally thought that their kings that they put in place. They thought that they were a godlike character. you know, Greeks thought that, you know, they had their pantheon of God gods, and the Romans were just the same. I mean, just go back and just type in any kind of Roman ruler. In the time of Christ, like during the time of Christ, we see Nero how Nero was messed up and burned and mutilated Christians. but whenever Jesus was you know asked about you know you say you're the King of the Jews, you know prove it to prove it to us. And Jesus was always meek and mild, but he was also um, badass you know, did his badassery, and what I mean by that is Jesus would always ask a question to a question. Somebody would ask them, are you the king of the Jews? And it's like, well, do you, who do you say that I am? And that was a, a, that's purposeful, because Jesus could come out and just say, yeah, I, I am who you say I am. And there's times in scriptures in different groups of people that Jesus says, yeah, I, I am who you say I am. But a lot of times, especially to really non-religious people, Back in Bible times, he would always answer a question with another question. Who do you say that I am? Why do you say this? Or turning it to be like, to, to make it more personal. And so all throughout when Jesus is, you know, face-to-face with Roman officials and Roman leaders, he goes against the the, the common thing of the day, the common you know, people will say, oh, yeah, like, you know, look at this, you know, ruler in in Israel or over Jerusalem, and you would hear Jesus talk to his followers like, that person is a God, but we know that they're not God. You know, I'm, I'm you know, God. And that would piss people off because he, Jesus was not falling in line. Jesus was bucking the trend, and he hated it. And then we also go to... The religious people of the day, we go to to the Pharisees. Um, and I've, I've researched this before, and a, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, Christians can't blame, you know, the Pharisees for, you know, killing Jesus. Because people are like, oh, well, then you're blaming it on Jews that Jews killed Jesus. No, I'm not blaming it on any one person particularly. But yeah, the Pharisees, you look throughout, you know, antiquity, you look back and, biblical times and I mean it was Judas who betrayed Jesus and Judas literally went to the Pharisees and was like I know you want Jesus handed over to you not saying that he wanted all of them wanted Jesus killed but it was definitely um, some backroom dealings it was obviously like hey we're gonna uh, we'll give you money Judas if you can betray your friend and this prophet and we're gonna shut him up and so yeah, it was the religious people of Jesus's day and the political people. And how often does that play? Just it hasn't changed in thousands of years. What are the two most powerful entities and institutions in the world? It's the political system, and it's the religious systems. There's, it's what humans have always put kind of up there as an ideal. Is is a religious kind of group of people denominations churches you call it whatever and political parties I mean every culture and nation has their own politics and whatever we have ours in America people have theirs in Britain or Switzerland or Australia they have all the, the ways they do things but it was in my frustration of what I get mad at is the churches when we celebrate like this birth of Jesus it's you know and I've I have a child And I remember when my daughter was born, being in the hospital, seeing, you know, my child come into this world and now seeing her at almost five, it's, it's, words can't describe it. And I know any parent that's watching, it can just concur, especially to women. It's way, way different uh, of something I can never understand that way. But as a father, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I'm seeing all these things like play out in my head when my daughter was born of when is she going to talk or who she's going to grow into as a woman and what is she going to do for a job or who is she going to marry if she gets married you know all these things and i don't think anybody really knew even mary and joseph when jesus was born just the kind of revolutionary jesus was going to be and we can i'm i, I what i want to bring to this conversation today and what i want people to think about whenever they listen to this is just, let's, and I have it in my notes the way I wrote, is like, let's stop, in, a, in essence, neutering the the badassery that Jesus is as a revolutionary. I mean, literally why I think the stories and the message of Jesus will never cease to amaze me as, as a person is because literally uh, we, we can see all throughout history certain people, certain who we call revolutionaries, Step up, and when push comes to shove, uh, they'll take the easy way out. Um, They'll kind of be like, "Oh, um, I'm gonna get some money from whatever organization and kind of ride off into the sunset." Or I'm gonna, you know, write books or go on speaking tours, and and then they kind of ride off into the sunset. Jesus was this revolutionary who knew in the back of his head that he was gonna get killed because. What do you do? And I tell people all the time, what do you do to people in this world that are a threat to you? You, you know, we we say, oh, we cancel them or we um, take away whatever, you know, the, the I don't know, we take away the internet. We do whatever. That's what we do in modern age. But usually what you do, especially in war, especially in political worlds or even religious worlds, you, you kill them. I mean, that's the ultimate way you shut someone up is by making sure they're not around to talk anymore. And that's literally what they did to Jesus. They literally, with, you know, and and when you see the story, you know, play out like you had Pontius Pilate and he was like, hey, you know, Jesus did nothing wrong. We, you know, I don't really care. Like, I don't, I don't care if he says he's a king or God because I am that person, blah, 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 blah. And you had, and it was, I would say it's mostly the Pharisees who had an issue. And, you know, cause you see all throughout the old or the new Testament, you know, Jesus, when he would come in contact with the Pharisees and it was like, yeah, you know, the law, like, you know, the law that is given to you in the old Testament, but I'm telling you that I am the law, like you are enslaved to the law and, you know, Ancient Jewish tradition had a a ton of laws for everything. You know, you can't do this, you can do this, you can do that. And Jesus comes in and was like, no, like, I and my Father are one, and so I am God here in human form, and I'm here to tell you that I am the continuation of this law. I made this law new. But when you looked at the the, the prophecy of that you were going to have this king, a.k.a. Jesus— They thought he was going to be like a Roman ruler. They thought he was going to come down riding on, you know, the celestial horse, whatever. We see pictures. My grandparents had an old picture in their house of Jesus riding on this, like, uh, white horse with wings. Jesus was in this white robe. Of course, it was a white Jesus because, you know, that's what white people do. Um, And I'm always, like, laughing at that picture because it's like that's in essence— how people thought of Jesus was going to be on this earth and how Jesus was going to rule and i mean Jesus rode into you know rode into israel rode into jerusalem or bethlehem one of the two on a donkey when you know during that easter time and i just look back and what's so fascinating to me is everything that people had in their mind everything that people had of what what or who they thought Jesus should be or would be was completely the opposite and i always tell people that's why when i love theology when i talk about jesus it's like all of our understandings of jesus and who god really is is so misguided and so misshapen because when you look at scripture everything that the religious people of the day thought that jesus was going to be wanted jesus to be he went completely the other direction, and that's why I think Jesus. And when I celebrate Christmas, and you know when that happens here in a few days, I always sit back and marvel at just how we've neutered Jesus to be this like God, this deity that only cares if people go to heaven or hell, and we really forget how to uh, realize that Jesus was uh, a total badass who took on the powers and principalities of the day and was like, this is what you want me to be. This is what you crave. This is what you desire. But I'm telling you, you want to be part of my following. You want to be part of my kingdom. This is what you need to do. And I don't feel like the church tells that as much. Certain traditions will be like, don't drink, don't smoke, and you know, be nice to people, and da 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 da. But at the end of the day, have this personal relationship with Jesus to go to heaven. Or you have some traditions that don't talk really about anything, but just be like, yeah, we like Jesus, but just be a good person. And there's truth to that, but I think there's just this requirement of us to do just in anything. Like, I'm married to my wife. I can't just wake up every day and be like, well, my wife's married to me. She's trapped with me, Um, blah, 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 blah. You know, she made a commitment, uh, an oath in front of people. Now she has to do this. No, it's, it's like I'm working out every day of how to be a better husband, how to be a better father, things like that. And so I think that's the same thing when it comes to faith, everyone, is we are trying to strive to be better people. We're trying to strive to... Take these teachings of Jesus and to, to try to make them as real as possible in, in our own lives. And that takes time. That takes discipline. But I think it's something that uh, Jesus leaves us with. I, t- I told you that this was going to be a lot about Jesus. Um, Jesus taught a lot of his requirements were quite easy to understand and quite easy to believe. Um, I've gotten in conversations with family over the years where it's like, we need to do this and we need to do this. And, um, I forget who I was talking to the other day, but I asked this person, the family of mine, a family member of mine. And I said, do you believe that you need to say this magical prayer and, you know, ask Jesus into your heart to, to go to heaven? And they're like, yeah, of course. And I was like, um, hot, you know, hot mic or, or not hot uh, mic, I don't even know what I said with that. Anyway, <laughs> you know, sorry. Um or I said plot twist, that's what I said, I said plot twist, there's nothing in Scripture that says you have to say this weird prayer to say that, you know, I'm I'm a sinner, woe is me, without you I'm going to go to hell. It doesn't say that. Literally, coming from Jesus' mouth, okay, Jesus' mouth, not Paul, not Peter, not any prophets or other leaders, but out of Jesus' mouth it says, have no other gods before me, so belief in me, and love one another as I have loved you. Those are the two requirements that make anybody believe that, that to say that you're a Christian. And I so I know people who, for a fact, who are like, yeah, I don't believe in, you know, I don't go to church, I'm not a Christian, and I'll say, do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you really believe that there's any other God? Probably not. And I said, do you try to actively live out your faith um, every day? Or do you, meaning or do you try to live out loving other people as you should love yourself and they're like yeah and i'm like well then you believe in god then you're christian i said there's no there's no and that's the thing we in the church most churches make it so difficult to be part of this kingdom of god to to most people make it so difficult to you, you know to be to be a christian or what a christian means and i tell people no the church has boggled it down the church has neutered going back i don't know why i like that word so much but it's like literally neutered what what meaning what it means to be a follower of jesus which is unconditional love and i have in my notes that that um jesus taught throughout his teachings in the three years love no matter what that's integral that's the main thing within jesus's teaching is love and be inclusive to all, and all means all. I don't have to go into details, but it's, you know, people who have different sexual identities than yours, um, people who uh, have different religions than you, people who have um, different skin than you, people who have different practices in their cultures, and all that stuff. And you see this played out all throughout Scripture of Jesus coming into contact with prostitutes, sex workers, coming in to tax collectors with like um uh, with Zacchaeus and with with Matthew were tax collectors, people in the you know some certain women in the Bible who we read stories of they were you know ladies of the night in essence and it's like Jesus blurred all these lines of what is right, what is wrong and was like this is like i'm going to love you no matter what cuz and, and i'm very i'm very passionate about this is i i'm not going to damn anybody for whatever they do for a job i you know sex work or, or being a tax collector which i guess would be like working in the irs or something like that because love is the greatest thing to overcome hate to overcome fear I, I can't say that enough. It's love. Love will change the world. And you know, you might look at me and say, Oh, well, yeah, that's such a lofty idea. That's, you know, we've heard that ad nauseum so much. Oh yeah, you know, just love, love, love. But that's what it is. We've we've made it more difficult than what it should be. We we've made Christianity, we've made faith this lists of do's and don'ts that acronym of the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. That was instilled into me so young in the church. And I, and I, I actually remember writing a paper kind of on something like that in seminary. And I said, and all that it is, is escapism. So many Christians and evangelical Christians, I feel like believe in the Bible, believe in the teachings of Jesus, all these things, because they're like, Hey, you know what? If I'm watching this, um, watching this if i'm listening to this and i'm taking it in um i can just be however this kind of person in my life and i know i'm gonna you know get into heaven and all this stuff and i even thought like that and i believed that for a while but as i got older and more mature and read through the bible on my own and had some seminary training to kind of help me uh, interpret things in a different way i really the idea of love you know came into the forefront where i'm like we're, we're bastardizing this Jesus. We're bastardizing the, the, the message of Jesus and making it more difficult than what it really is. And really, at the end of the day, it says, hey, love me. Like, believe in who I am and the teachings that I've said. And then on the flip side, start taking those teachings that you know I've given you all throughout here and uh, all throughout Scripture, I mean, and follow this, live this out, and if you do these things, not saying it's going to be easy, not saying you're going to, everything in life is going to be peachy keen. But this is what's going to happen. This, if you want to be part of this kingdom, this is what you need to do. And I'm convinced that if we understand Jesus in this light, we will look at Jesus as a revolutionary figure. And I, re- I remember even all the way back in 10th grade when I was in my youth group, I preached this a sermon because they let kids in the youth group every now and then preach a sermon. And I got up there. It was the first time I ever spoke in front of a large group of people. And now I'm quite, um, quite okay and fine speaking in front of large groups. And I remember the one thing that I, I still remember to this day, like my conversation or my sermon that I had was Jesus was a rebel. And it kind of goes back, and I did a lot of this. I mean, obviously, this is a much more in depth and I think makes sense kind of a conversation. But I remember saying to, you know, my other, you know, students, you know, that I was in a youth group with and the leaders, is I was just going off and I was just like, Jesus was a rebel because he took these teachings that were so, that made so much sense. And we read them now and they're like, yes, love, yes, inclusive, yes, this. But he went into a society that was very exclusive, that was very against, you know, like, they're they're not in our group. These people are, you know, these people are Sadducees. We're Pharisees. These people are from the tribe of Benjamin, and we're from this. You know, and it was just very, like, so back then it was, like, so close, and, you know, like, these people are different than us, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus kind of comes in, not kind of, he comes in and just... Blows it all out of the water. And I said Jesus was a rebel because he knew what was said. He knew how politics of the time were going. He knew the religious landscape and how it was going. And Jesus just came in there and threw truth bombs in. And that's why I always say when I look at this time of Advent, when I look at the birth of Jesus, this was, I look at baby Jesus in the manger, and I'm like 33 years later this person was murdered because he pissed off the people who could kill him. He was like, you guys are wrong. You guys are wrong. You go-. And I'm not saying that we should go out and do that to people like, oh, you're wrong. You're right. You're this, 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 or this. But I think that is why he was a revolutionary. Revolutionary, stand up in the midst of things, especially evil atrocities or whatever, and will say, hey, Guess what? Maybe you shouldn't do this. Hey, guess what? This is wrong. And there are revolutionaries or prof- prophetic people who've been killed for their for their thought processes and their teachings. I'm sure your mind's like mine and people are going off in your head of who you can think. But literally with with Jesus it during this season and I know I might be kind of going back and forth with like Easter and Christmas kind of stuff with the birth and, and death but uh, you you kind of have to tie both of them together w- with this but that's why I'm trying to say like Christmas to me yes it's about family it's about being with friends it's about you know buying each other gifts those are fun uh, you know my daughter loves you know Christmas movies we love Christmas movies You know, I love when it's cold outside during this time of the year, and you know, there's snow. All all these great things that kind of help us understand Christmas. But when we look at things about Jesus, when we listen to when I listen to songs like "Away in the Manger" that come on the radio or whatever, this is where my brain goes back to. My brain goes back to just this badass revolutionary God, because that's who I think Jesus was 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 God. Coming into a world that thought that he was going to be this uh, larger than life. I mean, just think of like a Thor or just you know uh, of this cosmic being that's you know coming down out of the clouds and going to set up this kingdom and was going to reign for thousands of years. And Jesus did everything different. Jesus came in and. Came in on a donkey. Jesus came in and was like, "You say you know the law? I am here to fulfill the law, or to say you are not and you are not enslaved to these laws anymore. Now this is the new way that I have, and you know all these things. And I am gonna keep saying revolutionary a lot because I, it's just that's how my brain is. My brain just keeps popping off like Jesus was a revolutionary. Jesus was a revolutionary. When you look at revolutionary, this is what Jesus was." And that is why I tell people all the time, I'm like, I might be all over the place. I might not fit into certain theological um, streams of thought or, you know, I might not fit in a denomination anymore. But the one thing I will never forget and the one thing that I've always told people is I I always and I am I'm very truthful in this. I don't think I could ever be an atheist because. That would have to say that I would negate that there's a belief in God or negate that there was even someone like Jesus and Jesus did something, you know, of what Jesus did. And I was like, I can never get to that point. I can get into the point of deconstructing so many things. And I do feel like Jesus or, or that Jesus did deconstruct so many things. And I gave a talk a couple weeks back, just like kind of the philosophical Origins of the deconstruction movement, you know, death of God theologians and stuff back in the '60s with, um, with uh, Jacques Derrida, you know, a French philosopher who who was like, "This is what deconstruction is." But really, I feel like the the architect of deconstruction was Jesus. Was Jesus himself? Because he deconstructed himself a lot of the religious teachings of the day. He was like, "This is what." people are telling you to believe this is what the religious people are telling you to believe this is what i'm telling you to believe so i think jesus gives very good instructions to say hey guess what like this isn't right now do this and that's a lot of what we're doing as christians when we deconstruct is we're not saying hey some people are like hey i'm not even a christian anymore that's fine you do you but for me i'm deconstructing my faith to reconstruct it into something that i feel is more in tune with scripture or it more in tune to the teachings and the message of Jesus. I'm like I don't really care sometimes what Paul says or Peter says. They said great things, but they were all also really crappy people in a, in a lot of ways, just like we all can be. But I'm I'm trying to deconstruct my faith to say how can i reconstruct it to make it more beautiful, to make it more lively? so that it makes me more passionate and makes me into a better person. And that's what, for me, what deconstruction, why it's so important. I don't, I don't wake up and say, oh, I'm deconstructing because I want to be an atheist or I want to be a secular humanist, blah, blah, blah. And I have friends who have done that, and that's totally great for them if that's what they want to do. But for me, it's not like that. I'm trying to get back to me, to the source material. I'm trying to get back to... Uh, jesus was a badass i you know he was this revolutionary who literally came and messed things up he came in to literally say to all people who want to believe in him like this is what you need to to do you know like and i always tell people you know it says in scripture you know when you uh if it says don't take an oath or it says don't do these things it's literally saying like If there's things that your government or if there's things that the church or if there's things that society tells you that you should do and you know that it goes against the teachings and the message of Jesus, then don't do it. And I will tell that to people and they're like, oh, no, it doesn't say that in there. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, it does. And Jesus was such a polarizing figure because of what I've just said the last, you know, 40 some minutes that I've been talking is that he came to make things new to make things the way that God intended it to be, but it was it was not what the humans and the people of the day were thinking that it would be. It was totally land blasted and that's I always I've said to a man and I've said to my family, if Jesus was walking here in flesh form, just like a human does today, how bewildered Jesus would look or feel. And he would go into churches and be like what like this is not anything what i envisioned what you know you you have all these smells and bells and robes and whatever okay and then they could go to like an evangelical church and it's like a rock concert with like fog machines and things and you know people wearing you know thousand dollar sneakers and jesus would be like uh i don't even know what this is is this a concert and i know i kind of say that tongue-in-cheek but i'm really honest about it like We've we've made church into a country club. We've made church into this community that, you know, is like, oh, yeah, if you think and act and worship like we do, you can be in our group and in, in, in our, you know, right tradition or whatever. And I look at it and I'm like, Jesus would not even recognize what church is and what it's been maybe certain iterations jesus would but by and large and i'm talking about all church catholicism down to lutheranism and presbyterianism all the way to baptists or pentecostals it's and i'm not saying any of these churches or traditions are wrong it's far from what i'm saying but just how we're doing church is jesus would step back and be like wow you guys aren't revolutionaries you guys aren't passionate you guys aren't you know stepping up to say hey this is wrong case in point when the previous administration were locking kids up in cages because the president at the time said that all these people coming in from Mexico or Latin America were rapists and and just wrong people for being here there are there were a lot of Christians who fought for you know getting people out and the denomination, I was a part of, you know, the ministers and pastors and the leader of the tradition were. But how many churches remained silent? How many organizations remained silent? How many uh, denominations and pastors were advocating for people to be in cages? And one thing I said to one of my friends was Jesus was an immigrant. And it says in Scripture that Jesus wasn't even welcomed into his own home, his own hometown. So let that sit in. One thing I want to pivot, and this is a part that Amanda wanted me to talk about and it's really good and she might be putting some notes up throughout the end of this talk Um, how does the world change by taking care of the widow the orphan and the poor that is how the world changes and you might say oh Brian you know we've heard that so many times it's been beaten over into our heads you know the widow the orphan and the poor and it's not strictly just saying the widow the widow someone who's lost their spouse, uh, or an orphan, someone who doesn't have parents, or the poor, the people who cannot actually live a day-to-day life because they don't have enough money or housing, whatever. But I think the reason the the writers in the Scripture wrote these three things is kind of these three words and groups of people encompass pretty much all of humanity because you will find these widows, orphans, and poor in any culture, in any country, and in any society— but it all, it's, and Amanda was saying, like, in Christmas time especially, and sometimes in Easter or just certain parts in the Christian calendar or in the Christian day-to-day life is we uh, will do, like, you know, it's like the season of giving. Christmas is always the season of giving. Uh, you know, God gave us Jesus, his son, so he gave this as the gift. But how often... And no matter where you're watching, I'm sure you've all seen the red kettlebells, you know, that Salvation Army does. Not saying that that's a terrible thing, but, you know, you always hear those ringers with the big red kettles, people raising money. Most of the news stations here in the Twin Cities will do like toys you know, toys for tots or something like that. Because it's the season of giving or these things like that. Amanda and Mai's point when we bring this up isn't that that's inherently wrong. But what's wrong is, why do we only do it once or twice a year? Why do we, you know, it's cold, especially in the Midwest. Right now, as I'm talking, it's like 20 degrees outside. Yeah, people who don't have clothes, children, you know, men and women, whoever. um, It's the poor, taking care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. Yeah, we should do that. Her point was, and my point as well, is... If we know these teachings and we know the message of Jesus and what this requires of us, why do we only do it once or twice a year? This should be something that we're doing every day. This should be something that we're doing that we're going to soup kitchens and giving of our time. We should be, you know... Um, instead of taking our clothes to the thrift store so someone else can buy them, maybe take them to a homeless shelter or a battered women's shelter, take them to an orphanage if you know where an orphanage is. And this, this is how the world is gonna change for the better. And, it, and you should never have it where you know you're like, "Oh, I really felt good, you know, dust off my shoulders because I did this. No, That is what we're supposed to be doing as human beings is we're supposed to be taking care of one another. And Jesus laid that out quite beautifully all throughout Jesus's teachings. You know, especially Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. I mean, not to—I've heard this numerous times, but it's a B attitude, like B B E hyphen attitude. You want to be a good person, do these B attitudes. I know it's so corny, even when I said that, I I laughed. Um, but it's true. It's a hundred percent true, and. Case in point, I have a really good friend of mine, Josh, who's part of the Sacred Collective community. I went to seminary with him, Um, and I'm going to throw out his organization that he works for. Um, He's like me, grew up in the church, has a a degree in in theology and philosophy, has his master's of theology, um, and almost finished his doctorate. And he didn't have an existential crisis or whatever, but he's like, I feel like I could make more of a difference in my job and in my life if I gave back to the community which I live in. Because how many of us, I don't I don't work in the community that I live in. I have to drive 10, 15 minutes away to go work at a college, which I love my job, don't get me wrong. But he works at a place called Merrick, which is based out of a church, but it's not a religious organization. But they literally, you know, it's in the pain failing neighborhood of St. Paul and they every day they give food away. You know, obviously restaurants and other organizations deliver food to them and part of his job is to help get it packed and 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 to give the food away. And Amanda just posted something in here too where um if you don't know where to go and where to to how to get involved, I guess, is uh, start or join, you know, a Buy Nothing Neighborhood Facebook group, donate your time, you know, all these things. And I know, I think, you know, if it's, we're talking about, um, if we're talking about resolutions, I don't know, I hate saying that because most people are like, I want to lose weight or I don't want to drink. Those are fine. But I feel like my resolution is I need to spend more time of my own time like volunteering my time to, to Merrick or volunteering my time to soup kitchens. And I don't do it because I'm like, oh, yeah, I should do it because, you know, you know, Jesus wants me to. Yeah, do it because of that, but do it because that's what's going to change the world. And I don't care if people are like, well, I live in a podunk small town. I'm sure you guys have soup kitchens there. Or drive to your nearest bigger city and donate your time for a Saturday. Or if you don't want to donate your time, give money. You know, these things need money to survive, and a lot of them are government-funded, but some of them aren't. And this isn't, like, my plea to be like, hey, we're bad people, we need to do this, but this is my plea during the Christmas time, during the Advent season, where we get all these, you know, good tingly feelings, because we're like, oh, it's the birth of Jesus, and it's great, and this is an important time of, you know, in our church life. Yeah, that's true. But with this whole conversation, what I think it's what I'm laying out here is Jesus was Jesus's birth was this birth of a revolutionary figure, and the revolutionary figures was like this is how. Because any revolutionary, when they're born, whenever he or she is born, it's usually always born into a very kind of messed up society that they're living in. Like, this is how society is. This is how society will always be. And this is how society will always function. That's how Jesus was born back in Israel to Mary and Joseph. This is how society was going religiously. This is how society was going, you know, politically. And you got to do that. And Jesus came in right there and was like, I'm speaking truth to power I'm going against this political people of the day, the religious people of the day. I'm going to tell you and critique you and say how misguided you are. And if you want to be a part of this kingdom, my kingdom, my father's kingdom, then this is what you need to do. And literally Jesus lays out so much. And then after Jesus died and is out of the picture, then you have people like Paul and Peter and his disciples and other people who are literally going to you know, other places in that region, when they go to Corinth, and when they go to Thessalonica, and when they go to Ephesus, and they're literally spreading this, like, "Hey, this is what the church is. The church is us as people." They're going around, and they're saying, "Uh, um, uh, you know, love, love your neighbor as yourself," and and all these things. And then throughout history, we've we've you know we've bastardized it. We've we've dumbed it down. We've made it into, like, oh, well, if I just go to church, you know, and, and do these good things, um, you know, do these good things and blah, 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 then I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to go to heaven or blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to get into that part of a conversation today. Uh, there's so many issues with that. But what I'm really wanting this talk to be, since it's my last one of the year, um I want to go out with a bang. I I want to let people know whenever, if you're watching this live or if, you know, you come back to it, I'm really, I, I just, I'm passionate about it. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm enamored by the teachings of Jesus because Jesus shows us how to live a better life. And I'm not saying people who don't believe in Jesus, who aren't Christians, can't live a a good or better life. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying to people, this conversation to people who are believers in Jesus, people who claim to, you know, claim the Christian faith, I guess this is the talk more to you, is let's stop worrying about, oh, um, I need to go to church this holiday season and I need to get, you know, my spiritual fix, but maybe donate your time instead. On Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to a soup kitchen, or maybe not even during the holiday times. Maybe say, okay, one Saturday a month, you know, we're going to hang out and help in the soup kitchen, or you know, I'm going to call a local um, homeless shelter to say, how do we need, how can we help you? Um, Maybe if you're watching and you're part of a church, how maybe look and say, uh, as a church and as as your congregation, call you know, a, a local food shelf or homeless shelter or schools, you know, Amanda just put up in the notes here, um, you know, in regards to school, call your local school to ask um, to pay towards some overdue lunch accounts so kids can eat. You know, this is this type of stuff that Jesus leaves us with. We, we want to be revolutionary people. We want faith. And I mean, Christianity in America in a lot of in a lot of places in in America is just it's laughable to so many people. It's it's like, oh yeah, you know, you you guys care more about who I sleep with or or how much money I give to the church or to tithe or, you know, if I believe in this right theology, but you're not doing um, you're not doing what your Bible tells us to do. I'm always haunted in a good way by the quote by Gandhi. I have no problem with your Christ but it's the Christians I have a problem with because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And that's always convicted me using kind of churchy language because it's like, yeah, he that was a solid, solid critique because so many of us as Christians or who say that they believe in God don't live out their faith because they're like, oh, well, it's too hard or I'm too busy or I'm this. Well, you, duh. I always tell people the hardest thing that I've done in my life besides my faith is my marriage. Not because Amanda's a hard person to be married to, but it's hard to be your own person, being married to someone else, raising a family, doing these things. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes um, blood, sweat, and tears. But if I want to work hard on that, on my fit, on my marriage, I want to work just as hard on my faith, and and that and that requires things of me. And one of the things that requires me of my time, it requires me to. Stop watching sports all the time. I'm a huge sports fan. Maybe instead of watching a game on a Sunday, maybe I should go to the soup kitchen and say, hey, how can I help you? Or maybe on a Friday, instead of just going out to the bar with my friends, I should call my friend up and be like, hey, you know, I'll take today off of work and the whole afternoon and evening, I'll help you and what, you know, your organization needs. And so... I'm not saying it's bad to give during the time of Christmas. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying more of a critique is maybe it's better that we not just give during the time of Christmas time, but maybe we should give our time, our energy, our money all throughout the year. And there's some organizations and some churches that do that. I am not pointing at you. Keep it up. Do a good job. I'm pointing to a lot of us who are watching or hearing that who become apathetic or who might even get mad to be like oh don't tell me that i need to do this i'm not telling you to do this scripture tells us to do this and if you call yourself a christian and that's the thing what people all the time get mad at me they're like who are you to say this who are you to do you know say that we can do this i'm sorry i've went to seminary i've read the bible how many times i have a doctor of ministry i'm not trying to sound arrogant or beating and even beating anyone over the head but it's in there it's in there. I'm saying this to you as much as I'm saying it to myself. If we want to be people that change the world, we start with love. We start with including everyone, and everyone means everyone. As I've said, your neighbors, everyone that's not you. Don't ask questions. Don't judge. Don't, you know, philosophize or theologize why they're this or that. But sit back and just say this is what we need to do so in closing i have a little over an hour I hope this holiday season, Christmas time Advent, whatever you're comfortable with calling it I hope you can have a great time with your family, I hope you can have a great time with friends Um, or even if you're celebrating by yourself that it can still be meaningful I know that this season can be traumatic for people I know that it can be uh Hurtful. I know it can be harmful to some people, and I'm for that. My heart goes out to you. Um, but what I'm saying with this conversation is, during this holiday time, um, realize that the birth of Jesus was the birth of a revolutionary. the The birth of Jesus isn't just the you know human side of. God becoming flesh, or like incarnating, that's partially true, but that this was the birth of, in my opinion, the greatest revolutionary, who literally came in, in this time and place, and blew everything up, and more or less was um, saying, do you want to live life, the way I want you to, if you want to be part of, whatever this kingdom of mine is, this is what you have to do, this is how you hold on to it, this is how how it it, how it happens this is what goes on um and it it, it's hard it's difficult i know that i'm going to probably go back and listen to this or when it's up on the podcast and i'm going to say wow you know i need to have a dose of my own medicine i need to step back and i need to you know give my time i want to raise my child with my daughter knowing that this is good things to do um I want her to be able to be like, hey, maybe on holidays, instead of just spending the whole day cooking food, maybe we should, you know, have a low-key meal and then spend the rest of our time um, with people who don't have that. Amanda also put in our notes, you know, volunteer visitor senior living facility. Uh, that's, you know, I can tell you, I used to, my first job as a kid was in a senior living facility. And A lot of people came and visited their loved ones, but there was always a handful of people who grandparents or great-grandparents who were just stuck in this nursing home and no one saw them. That's how we change the world, folks, is loving people, accepting them. Um, that's That's how I feel like God showed love to humanity was showing love when people thought that person shouldn't be loved. Giving of your time when we're all crunched with time. That's how things change. That's how people's mindsets differ. Um, And yeah, you don't need God to do this. I've said it all the time. Like, you don't need God to do good things. However, if you're listening, and this is more of, like I said, a talk to Christians who who do listen, is being a Christian is much more than going to church on Sundays or reading your Bible or praying or doing devotions or da-da-da-da-da. But it's literally taking action. And it's literally not giving money to the red kettle or some organization once a year during Christmas time or during Easter. It's a continually daily thing where you're saying, hmm, how can I make the world better? Well, Jesus did tell us all throughout scripture how to do this, so I must do that. So that's why I think Jesus is revolutionary, because Jesus' philosophy, his message, his ideology was to change the world and to doing it in loving and helpful ways. So I'm going to end there. Hopefully this talk meant stuff to some of you guys watching and I know it did for me. Um, some of you might listen to this, you know, after Christmas, and I hope you had a good Christmas for those who are watching live or w- before Christmas, have a good Christmas or... Um, Kwanzaa or if you're not celebrating Christmas have a good just holiday season with friends and family and um, we're gonna kind of be visiting just friend you know friends and family here locally in the cities um, Just I love you all I really do from the bottom of my heart thank you for helping DBA be what it is. I know that like I said this was a more Jesus more um, kind of in-your-face one, and I'm not going to apologize for that. That's just kind of what was on my heart and on my mind. Um, you don't always have to like everything I say, but if, as long as I can help people think and go f- further in, in how they view things, that's what I want to do here. But, um, yep, just have a great holiday season. Um, be safe, and uh, we will see you in the new year. So take care, everyone. Bye friends and family, and um, we're going to kind of be visiting just friend, you know, friends and family here locally in the cities. Um, just, I love you all. I really do, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for helping DBA be what it is. I know that, like I said, this was a more Jesus-y, more um, kind of in-your-face one, and I'm not going to apologize for that. That's just kind of what was on my heart and on my mind, Um you don't always have to like everything I say, but as long as I can help people think and go f- further in, in how they view things, that's what I want to do here. But, um, yep, just have a great holiday season. Um, be safe, and uh, we will see you in the new year. So take care, everyone. Bye.